Hello and welcome to New Kind of Goer. My name is Dan Stewart, the host of this podcast, which is produced by GoCor, a nonprofit missionary mobilization organization committed to helping Christian college graduates use their degree overseas for two years, live on mission, and share the gospel among the least reached. Those who take the leap with GoCor are called goers, and this podcast is a platform for these goers to share their experience of deciding to go overseas after graduation. In this episode, we'll be talking to Nora, who's actually a dear friend of mine who I helped mobilize in her mid-20s. She's a biology major who served in Southeast Asia on the medical track while doing some agricultural work as well. She got sick with dengue fever within her first month, but she'll share about the powerful spiritual lessons that she learned from that. She'll talk a little bit about the practical skills she was able to apply, like delivering a baby goat and driving a motorcycle. She'll talk in great depth about the spiritual atmosphere of Southeast Asia, their perception of evil spirits, and how her and her team were able to share about how Christ is greater. Just as a heads up, this episode is about two hours, so I hope you stick with it because you'll also learn about how Nora's perception of what a missionary looks like changed while serving. Alright, let's get into it. First, you're going to tell me your name, where you're from, and tell me what your educational background is, please. Okay. My name is Nora. I am from the Twin Cities area of Minnesota. and my, What up, Twin Cities? Yeah. And I graduated with a degree in biology. Biology. Yes, sir. You sure about that? Let me say that a little more clearly. I graduated <laughs> with a degree in biology. Fantastic. It's been a little while. <laughs> right on. Graduated with a degree in biology. All right, so you uh, went to a special place in Southeast Asia, correct? Correct. Awesome. Southeast Asia. That's, uh, that's a very uh, beautiful part of the world, isn't it? It is. Rather tropical mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, it's rather green. Yes. A lot of unreached people. Yeah. Yeah, that's why you went there. True fact. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so before we go into how you went out to Southeast Asia... I'd like you to tell me when you first felt called to go into missions, because that's a pretty big kind of, whoa, you want me to go overseas and learn a whole new culture and all that stuff? And uh, God, what's up with that? I don't know if I can do that, but okay. So tell me about what, uh, what that was like. Oh, goodness. I guess it started back in high school. Um, my dad encouraged me to go on a short-term missions trip, and I hadn't had it on my radar at all, but that... I ended up getting accepted, going with my youth group, and um, just had my heart open to a whole other world and cultures and realizing the world was much bigger than my own backyard. So that began my journey. Went to a Bible college that uh, helped me understand God's, God's call for people to go, whether it's to your neighbor next door or across the world. Um, and that culminated into graduating, trying a couple different jobs, and had a friend see an advertisement for GoCor. I knew I was kind of interested still um, in perhaps missions work of some sort. She sent it towards me. I checked it out. I was like, this looks cool. Totally missed the deadline. I was like, okay, God, must not be my deal. <laughs> and uh, 
then strangely enough, I met you about a year later. <gasps> Surprise of all surprises. You probably met, heard it in the intro, but me and Nora are actually yes. pretty good friends. Uh, we've known each other since college and just been stayed real close and stuff like that. So I'm really excited that we actually get to talk and have this conversation because okay. I get to learn a couple of things as well. <laughs> uh, but I care a lot about Nora. She's a good friend and I'm really excited that she, that she experienced what she did. And has a good testimony to share of it. So, all that said, uh, yeah, we went. Through, you didn't graduate the same year. No, think you graduated the year before me. I think. At least I should have. I <laughs> went four and a half years, so I don't know. We may have ended up graduating. Very, the very same possibly. Year. I don't know. I've lost track. It was like ten years ago. It was. We graduated ten, maybe eleven years ago. <gasps> ten. This was ten. Oh man, that scares me. Let's just cut this now. All right. Anyway, <laughs> so to the point. Okay, so you had a friend suggest you check yep. out Gokor. Miss that deadline. You're like, Psh, whatevs. Okay, and then we well, yep. you, you might not have said whatevs, but you not thought quite, it. But anyway. when when okay, God, apparently that wasn't right. wasn't right. my deal. Maybe I. Right. Interest, but didn't so, happen. So, so it's, the reason I'm going to just kind of bring up why I suggested it to you because at the it. time, before you went overseas and before I even suggested to you, you kind of felt like a lost soul of a person. Not like, not sad, lost soul. <laughs> more like you didn't feel like you had a lot of direction. Yeah. And you felt like you didn't really, like you were working a crap job. I'm sure that you probably didn't like very much. I don't remember what it was, but like I'm I probably making major major assumptions right now. But <laughs> you are. But that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I do. But you're on on the on the lost part even you, though I you, did enjoy what I was doing right you didn't you didn't feel like you didn't seem anyway like you were enjoying life very much at least in the, like in terms of like having a purpose having a goal yep. having a thing you could you could like grasp on you and say this is what I'm here for to do kind yep. of thing and working for Gokor at the time I don't know why I thought I suggested I think because I don't you know, think you even worked there. Little, what's that? I don't think you even worked there then. You're like, yeah, hey, my that's true. cousin does this thing. That's true. I um I, I believe I was just doing some video media yeah, junk here I and there so. for them. And I really love the vision of GoCore and the fact that they try to help 20-somethings like, you know, to take what they're doing and and make something bigger of it than they than they know how to do, especially in the States. And so mm-hmm. anyway, I don't know. I guess at the time I just I knew that Gokor, you know, use people who want to take their skills and do something more meaningful. And I felt like maybe you wanted to do more, something more meaningful. You just didn't know where to start. Yeah. Uh, and you didn't have any many pushes in any particular direction. And knowing how Gokor works, I thought maybe Nora would want to go overseas and do something. I, I don't know why I thought you would care about missions, but I thought you, I kind of figured that maybe you did. Mm-hmm. Maybe I just knew you better back then than I do now. I don't know what happened there. But nonetheless, I, I thought, hey, you know what? I'm going to suggest... The Nora, check out Gokor, check out their track, whatever. You know, just because you have a biology background. Yep. And I know we have biology-related tracks and, and with Gokor and stuff like that. And so, anyway, I told you about it. And what did you tell me? Hey, I think a friend of mine told me about that about a year ago. And I was all like, what? I can't yep. be the second person to tell you that. So exactly. that was kind of a mind-blowing thing. And after I told you about it, what did you do? Uh, I kind of thought about that and looked at it a little more. And this time you told me about it in October, so I actually had a little more time. My other friend had told me I only had I I, know, four I have, weeks or something. I have excellent timing you all have, the time. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> One time of my life I God had God used you for some excellent there timing. There you go. It had nothing to do with me. <laughs> anyway, so yes, October. Um, and so I had time to kind of think about it, look at it, and just was convicted that it was just like, okay, God, this isn't like, you know, a larger, like, YWAM that you hear about all the time. This is, you know, GoCore was kind of fresh and new at that point. And I go, it, it doesn't seem to me like it'd just be coincidence that I hear about this twice. And if 
I'd been kind of looking and asking, okay, would you show me what you want me to do, where you want me to go? And that um, just went, I, I don't want to miss it if that's your nudge. So I went, okay, I don't, really don't think I'm ready to do this. I mm -hmm. don't think they're going to accept me, <laughs> well. but I will fill out an application. What made and you think then I can go, hey, I tried. What made you think that the, not just go for it, but what made you think that like it wouldn't work out theoretically? Um, in the years between graduating college and the time that I started looking into GOCOR, I had struggled with a couple of years of, of doubt and not knowing, um, you know, wondering if God was really real. Okay. And could I believe him? Should I believe him? Hmm. For what reason? Is the Bible true? Can we trust it? And by the time you suggested that, um, thankfully, I would kind of work through a lot with that with mm. God, and he was so faithful during that time. But okay. I still wasn't sure that I was pulled out of it for good. Sure. No. <laughs> and I'm sure. not sure anyone really is. But it's a, yeah. doubt, I, doubt is what it is, and yeah. it exists in our hearts once in a while. So yeah. I get that. And that was just a really hard place to, to be, and I really didn't feel secure, and I didn't trust my motives for wanting to go necessarily. Yeah, and I just really didn't think that I <laughs> – I didn't live up to my expectation of what a missionary should be. Interesting. Did you hear that, people? Missionary isn't always what you think it's going to be. No, it's not. So anyway, um, what, when you first looked at GoCore originally with the um, first person who suggested it to you, yes. what grabbed your attention the most about it originally? At least going overseas. It doesn't have to be GoCore specific, but like That's going fair. overseas. Um, I had always, I kind of wanted to study abroad in college and it never ended up working out. Um, and there's just something in my heart from that other missions experience. I didn't know that I wanted to be a, a lifetime missionary, but... There was always something in my heart where I wanted to go live life in another country for a longer period of time. I'd only gone first, like the longest I'd been anywhere was about five weeks. And so I really wanted to have Kind of living under a rock is what you're saying. <laughs> Just kidding. Thanks. <laughs> Just kidding. I know. Anyway. No, um, <laughs> just that the, I hadn't, I mean, I'd lived away from home longer than that, but not out of the country. Sure. And so trying to be, I, wa I wanted to experience another culture more than just visiting. I wanted yeah. to live there. I wanted to get to know the people, the language, and have an opportunity to serve um, at least for a longer period of time. And GoCore seemed like a good way to not have to step up to a whole four years, which a lot of places asked you to do. Mm. And it also was really intriguing to me because it wasn't like you had to choose a choose what organization you were going with and then um, go, okay, this is who I am. Can you do something with right. that? I right. appreciated. They were like, hey, you have these skills. We have these people who need these skills. You're able to go through and see what the needs are and go, mm -hmm. hey, I could do that. What caught your attention the most in that regard, would you say? At the time, at first anyway. Oh, goodness. Where do you remember? I don't remember. What caught your t attention the second time when I suggested it to you? <laughs> what caught my attention the second time? Yeah. More that it was the second time. <laughs> <laughs> then it was like, okay, gotcha. It was, I already knew I had an interest. I already knew, hey, that looks pretty cool. Sure. Um, I just didn't take the leap the first time. And the second time was just enough of a nudge to go, okay, I need to at least not ignore this. Sure. And so it's like, okay, fill out an application. Where are you going? I don't know. Gotcha. Did I go to my first choice? No, I did not, <laughs> and that's okay. Okay, no, that's fine. That happens. That definitely happens. So, the what what track or placement did you pick uh, in terms of what you were doing, and why was that attracted to you at the time? The one that I actually did, or the first one that I chose, uh, I didn't do. Take me through the 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 journey there. Okay. Originally, because I was general biology major, I didn't have any specialties. 
And so a lot of the medical things, I had a little bit of medical experience. I got certified as a nursing assistant after college and before this time, but I had lost that certification, never worked in it, just kind of had got it, tried to kind of get a job, and my other job paid better. So never went there. Got it. Um, had So I had a little bit of medical exposure, but wasn't really, that wasn't necessarily my hugest passion, but it was some experience and some skills that I had to offer. Other than that, goodness, I... For it. You can edit this. You got this. What am I supposed to be answering? Oh. <laughs> Where am I going? What track or placement did you choose and why and did why? you choose that? Okay, yeah. thank you. Right, and yeah, I know you went from one to another, but I did. like what was kind of the journey there? Like right. what made you go from, from one like, to oh, the other? Maybe I don't want that one. Maybe I like this yep. one or whatever. Yeah. So that to say it, I explained that is how I ended up in a medical trap. But to backtrack, I was looking at like compassion justice because you didn't necessarily need a fancy degree to go do that. I didn't have to be an engineer or whatever. And, you know, I mean, it takes... It's the most kind of missionary-esque track that we have pretty much. Right. And a little less technical. Exactly. Um, Less specific. It can be technical, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I looked mostly at that, a little bit at the medical, because I had had Mm. a little bit of that, but without any technical training, I thought, eh, that's probably not going to work for most places. Gotcha. So I, I had seen the place that I ended up going. That was one. I had about seven places that I went, ah, those could work. So I was like, okay, which one do I do? I ended up choosing one in England um, that was compassion justice working um, kind of like in a drug rehab place. I thought, okay, you know, it, it's in another country. I still have the language, whatever. As I learned more about it and talked with my coach at GoCor, I realized that it was maybe not a good fit for me personality-wise. Um, it was really structured and not a lot of downtime mm. and mm. living in community with people almost full-time. Mm. And I realized with my introvertedness, that was not going to work very well. Okay. So she kind of helped me, coach me through that. And then she actually suggested the other place that I did go in Southeast Asia okay. with the medical track and cleared out that, hey, that's not the end of the world, that you're not super medically you know, technical in that way, that yeah. that position was acceptable to be. You know, I could still be helpful even though I wasn't technically trained very, very highly. So okay. Prayed about that and mm-hmm. kind of went, okay, God, where am I supposed to go? And it just seemed that the other one was not such a great choice and, and I should, you know, give that medical one, at least pursue that option mm-hmm. and see if they'd be willing to take me, have more discussion. And ended up opening doors, but that's where I went. Gotcha. So you choose a track. Mm-hmm. Uh, your coach helps you out with that. Yep. You, you're like, okay. This is what I'm doing. It's a big it's a big decision to decide to go overseas. When how old yes. were you at the time, would you say? Uh I would have been thirty well, you know. No, I was twenty nine. You You're twenty nine. Okay, gotcha. You were twenty nine. So at twenty nine. Yeah. Yes, at twenty nine. You heard that right. At twenty nine, that's a big decision to make. What was going through your mind at that time to make why'd you think, okay, I'm I mean, maybe your age wasn't the like the only catalyst or the only kind of like thing that affected your you know, decision, but yep. why at twenty nine? And how did that affect you at the decision process? If I didn't do it then, I figured it was always going to be something I'd wonder. I'd go, you know, I wanted to. I had the opportunity. I wonder what it would have been like. Mm-hmm. And so with that, it was that wasn't the only thing. That sure. was one one piece of, sure. you know, God's kind of opening this door. And um, he just kept kind of opening doors for it. And I just went, you know, I, I'm going to regret it if I don't. It yeah. might crash and burn like crazy (laughs) but I can't at least I can't say I didn't try and I didn't want to have to live with that and then but it was terrifying to Mm -hmm. be honest Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. 
and I moved slowly and things started moving pretty quickly. Yeah. And eventually I kind of kept thinking that the door would close, that this was not what God would have me do. And they kept opening and I went, uh, uh oh. <laughs> and eventually it got to the point where, the, you know, we had talked with the people on the field. We had talked with the coaches at GoCore. We'd kind of talked with everybody and they all said, you've been accepted. We're offering you position with this team. And I go, Oh crap. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming, did you? <laughs> nope. All that all that attempt to do something meaningful and that actually is gonna happen. And it's actually Whoa. going to happen. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> so at that point, my prayer just became, okay, God, if you want this to happen, if you don't want this to happen, please close the door. Right. Because otherwise, I am scared and shaking, but mm-hmm. you keep that door open and I'm gonna walk through it. So just as, as for an aside, what would you say to I don't know, mid to late twenty somethings? who feel like it might be too late to go overseas or feel like, you know, it's just an awkward time. It seems like an awkward time in their life to do Can it. Be? Like, what, what, what would you say to them based on your experience? Oh, goodness. There's a lot of people in a lot of different places at that time in their lives. Very true. Um, so a little do, con- do your best to generalize your, your answer. <laughs> say, a little context, I am single, don't have a family. There's so that, that right. You know, Fair that point. wasn't having to worry about taking a husband or a boyfriend or kids across this world with right. me. Yeah. Um, but for me, <sighs> yes, I had to let go of a full-time job at that time that I did enjoy, but wasn't really going anywhere. Um, hence the lost soulness. Hence the lost soulness. <laughs> Sorry um, to bring that up again. That's okay. <laughs> that's all I remember, though. That's the weird part about it. I, I just remember Nora just needs to get the heck out of here and do something like really crazy and fun and, and like jumpstart her life a little bit again or something. I don't know. Anyway, that's what came to my mind, honestly, when I, when I suggested That's fair. Forward, I'm sorry I was giving off that vibe, but it was probably true. You know, so, well, that's what I Not mean. probably, it was And I just true. like assuming things of, of people and think I, can, think I can read them really well, and then I, I realize uh, I'm wrong sometimes. But I was right with you, so that was a good, there that was a good go. sign. That Continue. Um, I'm going to cut I got to remember about what. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so to answer, to go back to that question. It... Oh, what am I saying to people? What would, what would you just in, in a nutshell? What would 20s. you? Yes, who are in their mid to late twenties? Who, yes, they're single. Yes, they have. They don't have any commitments over here, and they feel like, but they feel like it might be too late for them to go overseas mm-hmm. uh, because maybe they're st- they're in a job they don't like, or maybe a job they do like, but they feel calling somewhere else. Whatever, I don't know. Yeah. What would you? What little piece of advice or, or thought would you would you send their way on this on this podcast? Hmm. If God's calling you to go overseas or even if there's a tug in your heart and an interest um i'm not saying be irresponsible be responsible but if he gives the opportunity and if he puts that call there if you're willing to obey and step out and do it he takes care of those details that tend to keep you back from it the the how am i going to pay the bills what am my family going to think you know all those pieces um and like i said you're not getting any younger (laughs) so for me it was like you know i don't know this opportunity will come along i don't know that this opportunity will come along again so it's now or never (laughs) is it it weird to go in your mid to late 20s overseas and serve like that um you can say no i can say no i in some ways i would say no it was weird at 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 go week training it was a little weird because i was the old kind <laughs> yeah, of the old maid there were about two people or three people that were older than me and yeah, everybody else was recent college that. grads mm-hmm. but 
beyond that, you know, week of feeling like I was a little older than everyone else. Um, it's only a week. It is only a week, and it really was not like you. They picked you out and singled you out. Just mm -hmm. I was aware that I was older, but sure. um, was other than that. No, it, it really didn't feel like it was that awkward. And in fact, I was told sometimes, like on the field, um, I was told they appreciated having someone come that was a little older and not right out of college. Uh, they have a little more life experience. And people um, with that life experience, you just are able to bring a little more stability to a team um, and a little – the life experience helps. It, it didn't hurt in general. It was It was a help. That's really interesting. That's a good perspective right there. All right, so you, cho you chose your your uh, placement, you chose your track, your, your location, all that stuff. And the next step is support raising. Woohoo! And, uh, you know, with GoCore, they, uh, they're pretty... Hit the ground running. Hit the ground running. <laughs> what, uh, what was it like support raising? Tell me the highs and lows and everything else. Goodness, it was terrifying. That said... <laughs> why, why was it terrifying? Because I had to talk to people and I'm an introvert. <laughs> I didn't want to go there, but thank you for saying it. Yes. I don't, I don't want to single introverts out like they can't do anything. But I, no. at the same time, it, they struggle in certain areas where it comes to communicating it things more, in a very bold way sometimes. Yes, it takes more courage to do yes. that. And all that to say, I actually was really pleased with the way GoCore did Go Week. Mm -hmm. I felt well equipped to do it and the practice that they gave helped me have something so I didn't just sit there and go, I don't know what I'm doing. So... The Go Week helped really jumpstart it. As, first, for, as for doing it. <laughs> as for doing it. <laughs> yeah. Still had to just jump in and do it. And my coach was amazing. She helped me um, plan out what I needed to be doing when and really help not hold, hold me accountable, not in a judgmental way, but in an encouraging way of, you know, what can we do? What's doable this week? What's feasible? And how can we move forward and make this reasonable but get it done? So she was a blessing. And from there, it was a journey of learning to trust God. And that really, to be honest, that, that <laughs> the journey began in, in the fundraising part with him. Mm. And it began earlier than that, but mm. in a whole new level. With right. It was, it was real at that point. Yeah. Because you were going out there and trying to share a vision about what you were going to do, like you actually wanted to do it. <laughs> right. 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 And even, even though I didn't know, yeah. I had learned at Go Week what I, more clearly what I would be doing. So it was new to me, and I was trying mm. to explain it to other oh. people. So that can be intimidating. Yeah. And I was literally shaking the first time I went through right. it with, you know, a lady who's like a mother to me and her mm. husband so it wasn't like they were you know there's no one easier to do that with yeah but um yeah it got better thankfully and I was I was amazed actually at how much people were encouraged and challenged to hear how God had worked in my life and brought me even just to that point through mm. the story we've talked about so yeah. far yeah and there were times it was harder <laughs> well yeah tell me about that so the highs and lows tell highs me about the lows. highs first tell me about highs. The, what's what's one like really positive story that came from you that you remember one positive one oh, there are multiple i'm sure there are but one of them that's a little unique okay. was they always ask you to you know when you meet with someone they ask you to ask for referrals to other people who may be interested in hearing you know what you have what you're doing mm -hmm. and someone gave me one you know someone's name that i'd never met before and yeah. so i Bucked up my courage and called them and asked if they'd be willing to meet. And they were really interested in meeting. So I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> so we did it. And I, you know, met with them for an hour, shared my story, went through the whole deal. And they were like, yeah, I want to support you. I, they couldn't do the whole monthly amount, but they were, they did yeah. 50 bucks a month. Yeah. And I went, I don't even know you. 
but you're like, God sends me people and yeah. I'm going to, you know, use what yeah. I, he's given me to his glory. And so that just kind of was like, whoa, God, this is crazy. This guy's never met me. He doesn't know me, doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, but caught a vision mm-hmm. and God just touched his heart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he consistently gave and has kept in touch since. And That's it's awesome. just amazing. So that, that was one of the easier ones. <laughs> it was a little hard walking into it, sure, not knowing him. Naturally. But yes, it was just you walk away with that encouragement and that high of just going, wow, God, that was mm-hmm. really cool that mm-hmm. you just orchestrated that. Yeah, absolutely. So and if you want to t- share any other highlight, any high stories that, that uh, come to mind that... A short one. Sure. I, another lady I knew from a Bible study, been a Christian for a really long time, never personally supported a missionary okay. and got to sit down and share with her uh, what I was doing. And um, she also became a monthly supporter. And so I was just so honored to be... the a part of that of her story of of stepping up to to participate um personally in supporting missionary that way and to journey that with her was an kind encouragement an yeah kind of an honor, a huge definitely. honor <laughs> <That's> awesome <laughs> and just watching her kind of grow in that and try that out and she's you mm. know a grandma but <laughs> gotta love the other it was ladies. really cool that's awesome so the low the, the harder parts what uh those, Tell me about some harder ones. Those come with a mixed bag too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually, thankfully, I don't have very many, okay. uh, like, what do you call them? Just horrible nightmare mm. stories. <laughs> I have ones that that were a little interesting. One lady, she and her husband actually write Bible studies, and she's been like a mentor to me. Um, and so I met with both of them to explain what I was doing and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And he didn't really want to go through the book that they give you and all that stuff. He's like, no, I just want to kind of hear from you what you're doing. Right. And, you know, and then he just wanted to ask questions. And I w- uh, yeah, I understand those meetings. They're, they're, they're draining. <laughs> they are. And you just, I, he didn't do it judgmentally. But right. he, you know, he goes, you're asking me to put money towards this. And I want to be responsible towards, you know, God has given me this money and I want to use his money in ways that are responsible. So he yeah. was just, you know, doing a thorough vetting. Yeah. But, oh, man, talk about sweating bullets and feeling like you don't measure up. And <laughs> I was oh, yeah. a little yeah. worried, concerned. Yeah. Did they support you? I didn't think they'd do anything. Hmm. And they didn't do the full amount, but they did half That's of what cool. I asked. And That's I was awesome. just blown away. Hmm. So, um for all that sweat. That doesn't and, sound like a button. low. <laughs> no, that's fine. It's okay. But, but there's something about the weight of having having that conversation and some of the questions that he asked yeah. that carried with me, not just for that meeting, but throughout the time of, you know, it kind of set a bar of, what am I measuring up to this the whole mm. time through, mm. um, which was hard to live up to sometimes. So... It wasn't a. It was a low, and it wasn't a low. In some way, my lows are always a mixed blessing. God, God comes Fair through enough. with something cool in them. But there were hard pieces to that Definitely. as well. Definitely, cool. So you raised your support. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> you got through it. I did. You you got what you needed. What made you decide to go to the part of the world you went to? Was it just the track and the placement, or what was it about Southeast Asia that that brought you there? It was just the track and the okay. placement. Kind of like we talked about earlier. It was more more looking about, okay, God, where my heart was already, GoCore didn't go at that time. So Fair point. it was like, well, then that kind of leaves the world open. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so at that point, it was just like, 
where where can I fit and where do you want to use me? Sure. And kind of came into it that way and just tried to look for for tracks and 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 teams that I might be useful to. So knowing you were going to Southeast Asia then. Yep. What were your initial thoughts about that? I was kind of excited. I had had some family members who had actually um, been there in the past. And so it was kind of neat because I'm like, I've never been there, but I've had family that's gone there. And so that was really cool. Yeah. So they knew a little bit about and kind of told you a little yeah, bit about it? Yeah, okay. kind of talked a little bit about that gotcha. and what that was like. And so that particular country was just interesting to me in that way because there was some connection to it already instead sure. of just some random place and people are like, where is that? Which you still get that too. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I get it. it's in a mysterious part of the world. So. It is. It's one of those, you know, many places with lots of little countries that yeah. just gets confusing, yeah. but very Island oriented. Yes. So you go overseas, which is a, once again, a very big life altering decision and altering sort of like how you, you know, exist do do life basically <laughs> yes okay what was it like to when you initially got there rough <laughs> yeah i did not have your typical um kind of entry in i mean we had i think 30 hours of travel to get there i actually had another go where i ended up going with so the two of us got to go together yeah that's, which, which is cool that was really cool yeah it was really nice to i had not traveled that far um on my own in by airplane so to have someone else to do it with was good for both of us. But yeah, you know, like flew in overnight, got in in the morning with jet lag. You had to stay up all day. I didn't know if I could like make it all day when I hadn't slept in how many hours. But yeah. so I arrived extremely tired, needless mm -hmm. to say. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. I think most people would. <laughs> yes, I think that's pretty typical. And of course, your night's day and your day's night. So that mm. just confuses things as well. So it was it was rough with jet lag and it was really warm there um, and when I left it was starting to cool off here in the states so my body was going what is going on um, so it was a big adjustment you know what is this humidity I'm dealing with now exactly. it's a whole other level of humidity <laughs> <and> <laughs> yeah. why does it feel like it's July when it's October mm, I get it. um, so it was it was yeah culturally confusing you know um, thankfully there was some signs in English so I wasn't mm -hmm. as disoriented as some people would be getting gotcha. getting places but mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was, it tossed me upside down. And then uh, our team went, had just for whatever reason, like the week after we got there, they had um, a conference they were going to. So that kind of helped bring some normalcy to things. Mm. Uh, but then <laughs> while we were at the conference, I ended up feeling really sick and got a fever and <sighs> got a headache what? and was really not feeling well. And um, so kind of missed part of the retreat that they were on and whatnot. And throughout the weekend, it was like I didn't get any better. And mm -hmm. so we headed back home, and we got back. They're like, we're just going to take you into the hospital and see what's going on since mm -hmm. you're not kicking it. And they use emergency rooms kind of like your local clinic there. Mm -hmm. Ended up that I had dengue fever. What? No. So Yikes. I spent my third weekend in the hospital. What's, what's, third weekend in the country in the hospital. <laughs> what, is, what is dengue fever for those who aren't aware of that? Uh, it is a mis dengue fever is a... Fever. Yeah, dengue fever is a mosquito-borne disease carried only by certain strains of mosquitoes. But uh, mm. there's several different varieties, and it depends what you get as to which one you get as to what your symptoms are. Okay. But in general, it's called bone break fever because it hurts so bad that your bones feel like they're breaking. Yikes. And then it also comes with a really high fever, hence the fever part of it. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, it also affects your blood. Usually it affects your platelets. Sometimes it affects, I believe, your hemoglobin as well. Um, my version, thankfully, was the version that didn't come with the pain. It had okay. a screaming headache, and other than that, mm. it was not a none of the other pain, which I was really grateful for. Yeah, okay. But uh, you, you got the right mosquito, the one that was the least amount of uh, negative outcomes. Uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently, at least with the, the pain symptoms part right, of it. Yeah. Um, but mine did. The, the variety I did get ended up really trashing my platelet count mm. um, enough that at the lowest point in the time, it uh, they for those who are are medically oriented, my my platelet count got down to thirty, which is dangerously low okay. in the fact that you could like just start hemorrhaging and bleeding and not be able to clot and stop it. So. It's not good? No, so not were, really. So this is, wait, the first week? No, that was my third third week in okay. the country. Third week into the country. You haven't even been there a month. Nope. And you're already like bedridden from yep. sickness that is a local thing that Venga yes. figures is People probably pretty local lot. there. Is it, I'm curious, It was was it like a common cold there? I mean, I'm sure it's worse than a common cold in a sense, but like, is it pretty common there where it wasn't a big deal to them necessarily or? Yes and no. Okay. People get it a lot. Um, the trick is, depending on what you get and how it's treated, and even sometimes not how it's treated, <laughs> it's like, it's more like the flu because people die from it. Yeah. I mean, I know of it, it happens during rainy season when there's more mosquitoes. Okay. But, you know, I know they had a really bad season last year, and there were a couple teammates who lost children and stuff mm. um, from wow. it. So, And they were hospitalized, but yeah. happened fast, fast enough that they just couldn't get a, a blood transfusion in them fast wow. enough. So mm. it is like the common cold and yet at the same or – the, or the flu, but at mm. the same time – it has that touch of you don't mess around with it. Totally. You, so yeah, you, you treat it as quickly as possible. You do, and, and in a country where they don't have blood banks, and mm. <laughs> so you have to find someone with your blood type to get a transfusion. Yeah. Um, it can create some difficulties. So mm. I was blown away by a team that took good care of me, mm. even though they didn't even know me. <laughs> there you uh, go. I mean, I'd been there. I'd met these people two weeks ago, right? And now they're like taking care of me like they're my mom. Mm. So. Um, and well, they did a good job of keeping my parents informed as well, because obviously they were huge. concerned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's huge. So they took good care of me. So how long did you uh, struggle with the dengue fever? I was in the hospital eight days, uh, crashed to where they thought they'd need a blood transfusion if they dropped any lower about my fifth day. Mm. Um, God used that in an amazing way mm. to give me, give me peace when I didn't know if I'd wake up the next morning. Yeah. <laughs> I remember reading about that in your newsletters uh, when I got them, and I was like, dude, did I just send her off to, like, I have dengue fever? It was a very sad thought of it. That's fair. Very, very, I, that, it's a little dark there. But, like, it was a very concerning thought. It I had. was. And I'm sure it was more concerning for you and your family, obviously. So oh, sure. It was, uh, it was a brutal little time. But, I mean, yeah. I, you said eight days, right? Yep, I was in the hospital eight days. And yeah. so, thankfully, once my... My platelets bottomed out, and thankfully the next day at, at 30, and then they came back up. And so within about a day and a half, they discharged me. Um, but then your body is just so overwhelmed by the disease, it just takes mm. a lot of time for it to rebuild and recover. Mm -hmm. And so I spent another four weeks 
in a friend's a teammate's house and pretty much ate and slept. Mm -hmm. um, and so. And you didn't feel good most of that time, I'm guessing. Actually, I felt much better once okay. the fever broke and your yeah. platelets start coming back up. Yeah. You can get kind of an itchy rash. Okay. Um, but other than that, no, felt I would just felt extremely tired. Right. Just like let me sleep. Yeah. But other your body than that, was exhausted and needed to start over again, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And and you lose your appetite too. Mm. So it just enough food didn't look good. And finally, mm. you know, a week or so out of the hospital, it, food started looking good again and <laughs> things definitely turned around. So gotcha. yeah. So it's fair to say that if you go overseas, let's be honest, you could, you know, get dengue fever or whatever. Like you can, you, you yes. can, you can end up with illnesses very possibly. Do you yes. think there's a way you could have avoided that or was it kind of just a, I mean, it's hard to say now, but like. Let's put it this way. I didn't think I had been bitten by a mosquito. Okay. Um, the, they tell you the right things to, it's prevention. They don't have a, um immunization for it mm -hmm. or a vaccine um but they you know they say wear long sleeves you know wear bug spray all that stuff yeah. had i been doing that no should i uh, yes okay god really used that to change my whole time there mm. and okay. put me on a different course and so okay. even if i'd been doing all the right doing all the right things yeah i think it probably still would have happened fair point so you experienced probably the not so great side of the early on of the culture mm -hmm. a certain element of the culture a certain anyway. piece of the culture yes, yes. so post dengue fever praise god yep getting into getting to know the culture again or for the first time and you know, getting to know the language and building those relationships, settling in finally yes. in, in, a, in a not bedridden sort of way. Tell me about that. Oh, it was still a rough start. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Because, you know, um, there were two, one girl who had gone over there with me and then um, another girl's intern came the next day. So we were all kind of three going through it together. Um, the others, while I had been, you know, laying low and trying to not die, right. they uh, had kind of gotten a little more settled in. So I felt like I was a little behind, way behind. Yeah, <laughs> they had already kind of begun to make friends and know their way around, and I like didn't know anything hardly. Yeah. Um. So that was it. Was a rough start. Absolutely. And I, I love those girls dearly. Mm -hmm. Um. We weren't exactly the most compatible personalities yeah, or have well, the most common interests. That happens. And it does. And that's yeah. just normal. I don't hold it against them at no, all. No. No. But um, that didn't make it an easy transition sure. either. And so there were just lots of pieces that just went, God, this is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it was a good eye-opener because I'm pretty easygoing and get along with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of like, oh, I can get along with whoever. And God was like, nope, you can't. <laughs> just wanted to let you know. <laughs> it's like, you don't match with everyone. Mm. Oh, okay. Which that is a good... Point taken, point taken. It's a, good, uh, it's a good thing to recognize, but it's a good thing to learn how to overcome. Yes. And he did work in in a lot of ways through that to learn to take loving each other to a whole different level. Learn. Totally. So we'll get to that in a little bit. I want okay. to know, I want to know more about the Lady, culture shock. Culture element. shock. Yes. At least like Oof. getting in into the culture and to like getting getting familiar with it, learning yep. it, understanding it, yep. and you can tie language or learning into that if you'd like to. Okay. That's a big part of it, I'm guessing. It is a big part of it. Oh, the trick is. The dengue just messed up everything. Sure. Um, Past dengue, post dengue. Post dengue, I know, but it's, it's still, <laughs> it, I felt like it just, I was off kilter for months. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but it, like jet lag, I don't know because I had dengue, so I can't mm. tell you about jet lag. Sure. But the culture shock, um, I felt like that, 
I had I have some American teammates, so they were able to explain. They did a really good job of explaining to us mm. some cultural and social norms that we needed. So our team did a really good job of orienting us to what was appropriate and not appropriate and okay. different and why people did things a certain way. Gotcha. It still was weird, yeah. but at least I kind of was like, <laughs> okay, this is normal. This is what they do, and I kind of know why. Gotcha. So sure, that was sure. helpful. Yeah. It was still weird and overwhelming, and like people there won't tell you no because that mm. might um, seem offensive. Seem offensive, or or put distance, or uh, or or put bring shame on themselves because they can't do something. So they'll tell you yes, even if they can't. See. So it's <laughs> gets yeah. a little confusing to be like, is your yes yes, or is your yes a no? Yeah. Um, I mean no. I mean yeah. Exactly. I mean, darn it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That is confusing. <laughs> it, it's, it was really confusing. Wow. Um, so tell me about language learning. Language learning. I ended up finally we went to language school, uh, the other girl and I, in about our fourth month there. And so we had kind of gotten a crash course sheet and had just been trying to learn from like English speaking students and stuff and practicing with them what we could. But I knew a few phrases and that was about it. And so I went to language school for six weeks and... Worked my tail off. It was really hard. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it was really no one hard. ever says it's a breeze. No. So. <laughs> no. But just reiterating. Yes. It it takes work to learn a language. It does. Because yeah, it just does. Yeah. So but it was it was really good. My teacher was wonderful. She'd done that, you know, taught Americans for years. Yeah. Knew our culture and our language and and uh, you know, how we operated and then mm -hmm. was able to come still as a local to explain the local side of things. Mm -hmm. So she was a blessing. And um, she really gave us the framework of what the language was like. You can't learn it in six weeks, but she gave us the structure of it so yeah. that as we learned on our own with people, we were able to make sense of it. And yeah. so that really built the foundation for the rest of my time there, which mm -hmm. was huge because I, mm -hmm. I ended up being there was places that people spoke a lot of English, and there's other places where they didn't know hardly any of it besides maybe some colors and numbers. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up being in some of those places where they didn't know much. And okay. and me having that foundation and having worked on, built on that foundation, ended up being huge to what I did towards the end of my, my time there. Gotcha. So it was huge. I It, it was really good, really hard. Yeah. Um, it was kind of neat, though, too. I yeah. I got to go out and practice in the market with people and had different shops. I'd go and visit them every day and they'd go, what did you learn today? And they'd try to teach me new words. And it was good. <laughs> a little girl that would help me learn how to count. She was all of like seven. She was mm. helping me practice counting awesome. and stuff like that. So <laughs> there's good, good times and good memories with those. Mm. <laughs> so you, you got along pretty well with the locals after a while and, and were able to they knew you well enough to help you learn language bit by bit. They did. And actually, one of my team leaders went up there with us and got us situated. And he purposely went out because he spoke the language really, really well, lived mm -hmm. there for like 20 years. Yeah. And he, he went out and he was a good example to me both of, of we're going to step out in faith yeah. and go, God, we need some language learners and language yeah. helpers. Yeah. Would you help us find people who are willing to do that? Sure. And so he, went, he and I went one afternoon and we went and found people, two or three people I could go talk to. And they had agreed, and he kind of explained it to him what was going on. And he said, and, and then, I mean, he went home. But <laughs> <laughs> He's like, good luck. Peace yep. out. See you later. <laughs> yep. After a day or two, he was gone. But yeah. he helped get me those connections sure. that then I could start building that way with people that, um, even though he didn't know them, ended up being, being trustworthy hmm. and really looking out for you. So 
They were a real treat. That's a really interesting way to build a relationship. Yeah. Tell me about that a little bit. I haven't really asked that question much, but what's it like to build a relationship with somebody based on language learning? Based on language learning. Well, the nice thing about language learning is it gives you an automatic, uh, an automatic conversation topic, uh, which absolutely. for people like me, sometimes it's hard to know what to talk about. I know. And so um, in some ways, I find it a lot easier. And and with the way I was able to do it, I'd have class in the morning, and then every afternoon I would go out to the market. So mm-hmm. you know, I was seeing these people five days a week, whether it was for five minutes or you know two hours. Yeah. I'd I'd get to connect with them, and just get to practice, and you just get to see what their life is like, what their temperaments are like, how much they're willing to try to help you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and most of them were just over the top willing to help you. I was amazed. I guess ever since I first went overseas on my first missions trip, I realized how much it means to them when you try to speak in their language yeah. instead of asking them to speak in yours. Yeah. And it just opens up. I just You see people just light up. And, mm. and with that, they have a, a softness in their heart and an openness to you that isn't the same when they're fighting and struggling and self-conscious about their own language. Yeah. You know, you're trying to, you, them trying to use your language. Right. You be the self-conscious one. Let exactly. them, let them make fun of you before they listen to you. <laughs> yes. Yes. But yeah. a lot of times I've been in places where they've been really gracious yeah. and they're just like so excited. You're trying to learn their <laughs> language and they're like trying to help you and they're throwing more words at you than you right. can remember in a month. Yeah. But you know, you learn ways to, to help make that happen and they're patient. So hmm. it was, it, it created opportunities mm. to get to know them better. Was I able to share the gospel with them? Not really. My language wasn't that good. Okay. And their English wasn't that good, to be mm. honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it still was the opportunity to build that. And if I get to go back there, there are people I want to go see. Sure. So. so we're going to kind of go back toward your team. Yes. A little bit now. So when you go overseas, we... Part of GoCore's goal is to connect you with a team that's already doing something over there, that's already kind of active in the community yes. and, and like has a project to do going or whatever. And we, you know, help connect you with that team so that you can bring your skill set to that team and continue the project in a really great way and so on. And also, obviously, um, be there to share the gospel in the, mix, in the midst of doing practical things or whatever, and that sort of stuff. So, yep. in light of that, obviously. You mentioned earlier that you had different, you had teammates that were, I think at least one of them was another goer. Yes. And then there was people from other organizations or whatever the case. Yes. This is, you know, it's a decent amalgamation of, uh, of, of personalities and backgrounds and experiences and reasons for being there. All that stuff coming Definitely. together to be as a, work as a team. What was it like to fit into that team and to um, just to learn to work together and stuff like that? I know that it was, you kind of came in. Your yours was your uh, your your attempt at fitting into the team was a little uh, it's a little rough at first a little rough but even more so like it was kind of uh, held back a little bit while you were recovering from your sickness so yes. that was a little, it was kind of you were coming late into the game but yes. what was it like after you started like intentionally doing that I guess yeah or having to intentionally do it anyway <laughs> yeah um, it it was a process. It, it was a very multicultural group. We mm-hmm. had locals on our team. We had um, Europeans and Americans and some Asian interns, actually. Okay. So we had a, a variety. Yeah. <laughs> and the good news is our our team leader did a really good job of of helping to 
um, well, I don't know what the right word is, but just helping to not let conflict grow. Okay. And and try to be a unifier. Yes, and not just for the sake of unity, but going okay. If we got problems, we're going to deal with them. And mm-hmm. keeping a short list on that, I think our team was definitely not perfect, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> and, and that's because all of us were on it. But right. yeah. <laughs> but it really was able to bring a lot of diverse people mm-hmm. from a lot of diverse backgrounds and cultures in together to work towards one common goal. Sure. And to be honest, I ended up finding sometimes I gravitated more towards some of the other people than the Americans. Okay. I got closer to some of the locals and some of the that Europeans, happens. but sure. that's okay. And, yeah. and and it ended up that we, we did the same with the Americans too. Hmm. Um, so what what was the common goal then? Tell me about the common goal. Bringing the message of Jesus and bringing his presence. Okay. And to help do that, in, and in doing that, you know, hopefully creating disciple-making movements. Okay. So... Um, so what were the practical approaches to that, would you oh, say, based on working together as a team? Yep. Uh, we have a large enough team. We worked in like four or five different areas. Okay. So we had a college ministry where okay. we worked on a university doing student um, outreach in a computer lab and tutoring English and math, things like that. Uh, we also worked in three different communities doing um, livelihood projects, doing... Uh, goodness like a vacation bible school kind of thing um that was still welcomed because we used principles that were um acceptable to the people we were the the old testament was was considered trustworthy and so a lot of times they were based on stuff from the old testament okay um and actually worked through god's story into the new testament too but um just teaching god's word and basic values and then uh also have community centers out there where we're just involved in the community, whether it's bringing medical care, um, sports camps, uh, different things to help their, their a couple of small towns that you know need clean water and stuff like that, and helping yeah. bring some awareness to that, and helping people apply for grants or do do what it is to try to help improve their communities. Gotcha. Um, and then in in and through those relationships, um, helping hopefully getting them into God's Word. And being able to share share God and and who He is, and and draw them closer to Him, and explain His story, because a lot of people come from a very different perspective there. So tell me about the spiritual um, the spiritual what's the word I'm looking for atmosphere, atmosphere. Of, of the place you were serving in. What, what was the spiritual atmosphere? Let me add one more thing. We also did medical stuff on the other one. Yeah, which is the whole reason I originally <laughs> went there. <laughs> right. I was actually waiting for that, and then I forgot to like let you get to that. Anyway, That's okay. That's whatever. okay. We did that too, which I we did that in a variety of places. Okay. Um, but the spiritual atmosphere, people there are very much open to spiritual things. Almost, I would say, almost everyone believes in God and the spirit world. Um, they also believe in in ghosts and other spiritual beings. Uh, that some of whom Americans have never heard of. Um, but so I, I would say there's much more openness uh, and willingness to talk about spiritual things in God than, than there really is in the States. Sure. But at the same time, um, with that openness comes a lot of openness to evil spirits uh-huh. as well. So there's quite a few. I, didn't, I never saw it, but there are reports like of girls in the university that would say 
oh, you know, so-and-so was demon-possessed last night and stuff like that. And um, just a lot of heart heartbreak <laughs> with so like it's that. like it's it's open to spirituality but open to all, all the wrong kinds of spirituality as a result or at least yeah. start dark spirituality dark anyway. spir- yes it's it, the whole spirit world gotcha. and, and the powers that are there and so like they, to an extreme of to pers- an ex- yeah yeah and and a lot of them come from tribal groups mm-hmm. um that historically have been kind of animistic or spiritualistic mm-hmm. that you know lots of spirits it, it, much more active spirits there. Sure. Um, and much more belief in them. So people, I'm guessing, were open to what you were talking about. Yes, willing to have conversations. You didn't have to convince them that God exists or that there was a spiritual world like you'd yeah. have here. You'd spend most of your time here just trying to convince someone yeah. that that exists. Yeah. That part very rarely had to be part of the conversation So, not, so it was more about funneling that spiritual understanding to yeah. who Jesus was. About who, right. Yeah, who Jesus was. And, you know, you... Part of it was just telling stories about who, you know, that that you could you could go to various stories and go, this is, Jesus, you know, had power over evil spirits, you know, that they he told them to leave and they did. He had power over forces of nature, you know, by calming the storm and things like that. You were able to, because a lot of them, some know of Jesus or as a healer maybe or something, but it, you point to different ways and different stories where it's like, no, he had power over these spirits that can harm you and your family that you know that cause all sorts of chaos and destruction and you point them to the one who has power over them right and um people can be really open to that Mm -hmm. were they not all of them but some Mm -hmm. of them yes yeah you have others that um were using occult and and dark spiritual forces as magicians and like one guy in the community, one spiritual leader was able to levitate. Mm. And when we became more active in that area, he wasn't able to levitate anymore. Mm. And so that obviously causes for those who, for him and those who are following him to, for that effect on his power was concerning to them. So it comes both ways. I'm guessing he wasn't a big fan of you guys. (laughs) No, not so much. Did you ever talk to him? I personally did not talk to him. Some of my team teammates did. I don't yeah. know how much English he knew. Okay. Um, but yeah, some of my teammates did. Had the opportunity to see him, to pray for him. We actually did a medical clinic in his community, and he did come mm. eventually and got seen by a doctor and mm. got medicine and stuff. So um, I need opportunity to minister to his community and no to him. No kidding. No kidding. So you kind of mentioned you, didn't re- you never really shared the gospel. You were there? I know because no. it was a language that they were very thing, but okay. Yes. Tell me about, like, because my question is, you know, what was it like to share the gospel for the first time, let alone in a different language or however you Yeah, that question's kind of hard for me because um, I got a decent grasp of the language, but it was never, I, I like to tell people it was about kindergarten level. Mm. I could I could get my point across, and people, if they spoke simply, I could understand them. Got, got goo goo. Yes. And <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, I need this. It's in bad grammar, and it's not really the right name for that, but you know what it, I mean by that. Or I'll describe yeah. it because I don't have the right vocabulary. I just gave you it. toddler level. That was not quite the same. Not thing, quite kindergarten yes. level, yeah. you know. But a little bit beyond kindergarten level, what you said. Yeah. I mean, a little above toddler level, you said kindergarten yes, level. Yes, I said kindergarten. Where you can actually say words. Yep. Basic words yep. like give me chocolate, things like that. Yes. And you might get it. <laughs> yes. Or like, hey, you oh, know, somebody made a delivery and their truck ran out of gas. I can figure out how to send a text back to their company to tell them 
your guy with the truck ran out of gas and mm. he needs you to come take care of him. So you can spe- you can send that in the language that you were learning. In a way that they would communicate. Was it ac- completely accurate and perfect? Absolutely not. Were- I could be understood and, right. and talk with someone enough to understand. But so, they had to simplify it. No, totally. So when that came to talking about the gospel and such, what was that? How'd that go? That was a lot harder to try to do in their language. Um, that's where I leaned a lot on locals um, that obviously know the language right. really well, as well as all the such. social things. Yeah. yeah, and not even translators, but they were teammates. So okay. it was like, they know how to do this way better than I do, and they have the gift of evangelism. Mm-hmm. I do not. Fair so point. it was one of those things. A lot of times I slipped into kind of a support role where I drove the van to get people there, <laughs> and I helped serve snacks, you or, sure. you know, I handed out flyers, or... Yeah. There were times I got to some of the, some people we were with were able to speak English, and so sometimes I could listen to them share in their language, and then sometimes I wouldn't have the language to answer back, but they would understand English well enough that they could speak their language, I could speak English, and we could still kind of mm-hmm. understand each other. Mm-hmm. You just can't always form all those words in someone yeah. else's language. Yeah. So I was able to to. Sp- to share some things about God and his truth in that way and have some discussions about story, you know, Bible stories that we were talking about or reading okay. or whatever. Um, so, so I didn't get to do that in another language, but in another culture, it was exciting. It was terrifying. I am not good at sharing gospel. You know, we mentioned mm-hmm. earlier that, yeah. you know, a mission, there are ideals that you think, you have, you have so, what you think a missionary should be. Right. And I didn't match what that was, and that was one of those. Big what do you things. think a missionary is? Well, let me start with what I thought it was. Fair enough. I used to think that it had to be someone who could, who who went out and boldly proclaimed the gospel. Um, you mean boldly like yelled it, or boldly like uh, didn't? Didn't back say it down, in a cowering sort of way. Didn't say it in a cowering sort of way. Wasn't ashamed of it. Gotcha. Um, so didn't, didn't have to yell. No, didn't have to yell at it. <laughs> no soapbox or no soapbox. Okay, okay. One of those things. It could be in a in a conversation. It can be bold in the sense sure. of you know that someone may not agree with you, um, may be angered by what you say, mm-hmm. um, but it's the truth and you want them to know it. Okay. Uh, so and you so that could be a really was. bold thing. So you thought that's what. And pretty much the Apostle Paul. Little did I realize or remember that that there are some missionaries who are like that. Sure. Um, but like somebody just told me the other day, a church doesn't need 20 senior pastors. Mm-hmm. You got to have all the other people who do the support roles. And even Paul took Barnabas along, who didn't talk as much. Uh, he obviously played other support roles, but he wasn't the main speaker. Every Moses needs their Aaron, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> I, I just learned that God uses you and he calls people and it doesn't let you off the hook for sharing the gospel. Right. But that's not always the only thing you do. There. What was sharing the gospel, what did it look like for you? That's fair. Because I feel like you probably did do something, even yeah. if it didn't look like you said. Because your, your, your perception of what a missionary was changed. Yeah. So what did it look like, and were you able to kind of do something along those lines while you were there? Yes. A part of what I did... One um, of the kind of VBS things we did, we only do it for a couple weeks a year. Uh, some of the ki- some, one of them was really close to the house I was living in on the weekends, and um, 
so these kids <laughs> would would run up to me going teacher teacher you mm -hmm. know and and want to like have another story or something mm -hmm. so for a while when I was back we would get together um, and I didn't do the whole VBS thing but I'd pull out you know uh, paper and crayons and we'd have a drawing time for some arts and crafts stuff yeah. and and we'd read through a Bible story and I had I had it in a language that they could understand. And so I, we could read through that. And sometimes they were old enough that I let them read through it. And then we tried to, you know, kind of have our own little discussion about it, which yeah. was hard when mm. I didn't understand their language and they didn't understand mine. Um, Did you have someone there to help you or was it pretty much on your own? Yes. <laughs> Both, got it. Sometimes, sometimes I did it on my own and I figured it would be easier to have more of the discussion part if someone else was there okay. so i ended up having one girl who really likes kids and was a local there gotcha. um she volunteered to come join me and enjoyed drawing so it was just a good fit all the way around mm -hmm. um so she came a couple weeks and helped me do that and she had more of a discussion and asked the kids you know better questions and um eventually i didn't know it would be the last time but the last time we ended up meeting um she kind of did i think somebody had asked her a question or whatever, and she was able to kind of share the gospel with them. Mm. And so it was one of those things where they got to hear that. Um, I did, wasn't the one who did it, but I helped facilitate it. Gotcha. Uh, and so, you know, stuff, that that's one one instance of, of a group of kids. That sure. We were able to share both Jesus' love just in caring about them. So, that's awesome. Do these kids... That you, that you were working with? Like, yep. did they have that kind of outlet anywhere else? Or is that like the only Access outlet? to that? Yeah, that's a better way to put it. Those kids, probably, that's a hard question. They were in a place where they probably had access to TV. They could probably see some sort of televangelist or, okay. I mean, they were in, in a busy enough populated area where there mm -hmm. were other, other believers and other Christians who would be willing to, okay. um, yeah, that, that they could probably hear in another way. Okay. Um, it wasn't like this was their one last shot to ever sure. hear this. Sure. Um, most of them had enough access to things that What age range was we talking about? Uh, I would say the youngest was probably about three, and the oldest was probably about 13. Okay, three or 13-ish, gotcha. So it was, it was a wide selection. Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, like siblings came, so you had them all staggered out. Uh, and then they brought their friend from somewhere else down the street. And, yeah. So gotcha. I would say the majority of them were probably between the ages of five and nine. Okay. So either way, like, I mean, you might be just another piece of the puzzle for yep. them to understand the gospel yep. in a part of the world that sees many different ways of handling spirituality. Yep. And you were able to assist anyway in... Lord willing. Make sure, making sure that Jesus was on a, a, a part of that, but also magnified mm -hmm. in that whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. Is that a good way to put it? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Just trying to tell the story yeah. and so that they know God's story. That's sure. really what we were, the stories we were going through are trying to, trying to tell God's story, starting with creation and, and just moving through. Mm -hmm. and not every single story, but kind of hitting highlights. Yeah. And so. do you think they kind of got it, sort of? For being, for being three to 13 year olds. Yeah. 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 And not all of them were there every week. And, you know, there's sure. lots of pieces like that. But yeah. you don't know. No. You know, we're, we're not always, we're not responsible for the results. 
sure. we're responsible to share and right. leave the results to God. And so that's what I was doing my best to do. Gotcha. So tell me about the practical sides of what you were doing there. Because I know mm-hmm. that you went for as a biology degree major person. And went to do public health. And you, 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 can't, you went there with the intention of being a part of public health issues, I believe. Yep. Community and that kind of changed over time, I think. So it did. Tell me about that. All right. Well, like I said, it was kind of a rough start for mm-hmm. a variety of reasons. Yep. Um, part of that was also um, being, it's a very community oriented thing where, you know, if you're alone, people think that you must be sad. Hmm. And being an introvert, that was really hard. So yeah. I was struggling because of that as well. Yeah. Um, and struggling to connect with students was just finally starting to, and was talking with my team leaders, and they were like, this doesn't seem to be a really good fit for you. Hmm. And, but they said, you know, we have been praying for someone to come up and work on our farm for years. Would you be willing to just go up and try it? See if you like that better. I said, well, sure, I can go try it for a couple of weeks and see how it goes. So I got to go up um, to an organic farm that our team has. That's the other piece I didn't get to that they do agriculture and okay. have an right. agriculture farm. Because okay. I... I enjoy the outdoors. I enjoy working hard. I enjoy animals. Um, in fact, some of my medical experience has more about being a vet than really taking care of people. Yeah. Um, and so they said, you know, and it's really, it's up in the mountains. It's cooler. It's um, pretty secluded. In fact, a lot of people can't do it up there because okay. they don't see enough people. And they're like, get me out of here. I'm going mm. crazy. Hmm. And so. Perfect for Nora. Perfect for <laughs> me. <laughs> And so they said, you know, we want to try it. And I'm like, I had always hoped I'd at least get to go visit. So definitely give it a shot. And um, just opened up. I just loved it up there. It was Mm -hmm. a much better fit. And so that was about four four months. That was right before I went to language school that I tried that out. So it was about four months in. Um, And that went to language school and came back and was there at the farm. I spent some time, some time in the communities helping out. Uh, like when they did the vacation Bible school things, I'd spend a week or two helping them or mm-hmm. even three weeks. Um, but the majority of my time was then spent on an organic farm in the mountains. So tell me about the organic farm in the mountains. I'm sh- I, I feel like some people who perhaps have introverted qualities to them, but love to be outside, love to be outdoors, love to work with their hands, yep. love to do organic-y things <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> would think that's really cool yes so tell me about that uh okay we had oh goodness i want to say like 100 and i'll say 120 acres i don't remember what it works out into in acres but something like that and it was a a farm that had been um kind of slash slash and burn farmed and then these slash and burn what do you mean like what you see on National Geographic where they're like burning the rainforest. With their machetes? Yeah. Like cut it down and then burn it. Although if they do it in the dry season, they can just burn it and they don't have to cut it down. So I guess they're just burning. Gotcha. Um, But does that that create a field? Is that the idea? Yes. It's opening up space where there were trees so that they can plant corn. That's a pretty good cash That they know it's pretty fertile and that they can turn into... Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. The trick is it's on sloping foothills that Mm. are, I don't know what the grade would be, but let's say a 45 degree angle. So they plow it like a regular um, farm field, like you would on the flat, and yeah. then these big tropical rains come, and they have major erosion and landslides. Yeah, we hear about those things in the news a lot, and where yeah. it kills people. Stuff, yeah. So. 
So that's really not a good idea. No. And so our farm is. Based I mean, they've been doing it forever, though, haven't they? Yes, although there's flatter land in the area. Okay. Some places they've been doing it forever, and they have actually like rock terracing and stuff okay. like that. Okay. That works pretty well. Okay. Um, but some where, where we were and what we're doing, um, people are just plowing it like a field, and then it's, it's just, majorly having cause land Because it's just there. Because it's there, and it's their land, and they need money. They gotcha. they they got kids they need to feed. And so what, what were they doing before they decided to use an edge of a cliff or an edge of a, a slope or whatever? Um, like, and I, I asked this question because like a part of me is like, well, their culture has been doing, you know, farming for whatever right. year, years and years. And, you know, what were they doing before the farming thing? And then yeah. why, what, why, what drove them to the desperation, I guess, of, of risking, you know, farming in a dangerous location that would cause landslides? Yes. Usually when they farm it, they can farm it pretty hard, and then the soil isn't as fertile. Okay. Uh, and a lot of times the tropical rains will wash away topsoil, and then you have less fertile land, and fertilizer is really expensive. So if they can go and get some fresh land they don't have to put fertilizer on, mm -hmm. then that means they could actually afford to plant and get, a, get something for their harvest versus some places, like they were glad – they got their whole crop harvested, and they were glad they got 12 bucks out of the deal. And it was just like, and she was really excited, and I was mm -hmm. just like, whoa. Now, of course, you know, that's something to, for something to live off of out there. You know, that is a, a decent. 12 bucks for the last them a couple of weeks? I know students, college students, who are living on $2 a week. Okay. You know, it was probably out there, it was probably a good, I mean, the, the next harvest was three months away, so that was probably their income for three months. Wow. So, so I mean, did they were they were they not educated? In Some like, of them not well. In not how in, in how to farm well to not know that because it feels like it seems like you know I know that not just missionaries but people go to yes. parts of the world to kind of help help I guess to bring in sort of a Western idea of how to properly do something or yeah. whatever. Like was that the kind of same thing there? Like they just didn't know quite how to do, or they weren't doing it right, or whatever. I would say a lot of it, I think, is just driven more almost by desperation. Okay. That you have a booming population and, you you know, one family has a family farm, but then you have eight kids and that farm's not enough for all those eight kids to have their kids grow up there, you know? Yeah. And so with the booming population and then not always putting the right things back into the land to take care of it, they've run out of farmland and it just kind of keeps eating away into, in, into okay. things and... and it's one of those things, yes, it might be dangerous, but most of them don't live right there. You know, they'll hike out to their field. It might be half a mile. It might be three miles. Yeah. Um, might be further than that. So sometimes they're not living, you know, they might live there while they work there, but they're not living imminently underneath this landslide. So it's like if they have a landslide, it's like, well, that sucked. Mm -hmm. But, you know, nobody, like, probably died from that. Right. I mean, there are times when they do have had people die from that. Mm -hmm. But... Um, they don't see it as, it's like, well, if I don't do this, I can't feed my kids. Gotcha. So I'm going to do this so that I have some sort of income, at least for now. And they mm -hmm. aren't. At least until bad things happen. And then, until bad things happen. Or, but they, a lot of times they're desperate enough that they're just looking for what they can do for the next month. And they can't. That's part of the culture, too. It's hard for them to look into the future and plan for the future for a variety of reasons. Okay. So it's really, what can I do right now to make ends meet? And you were there to educate them. 
well to try to help. <laughs> or, or maybe not educate yeah, them. Because a lot of times, I mean, they are educated and some of them have been doing it for years. Right, I would think so. Um, and some of them are doing stuff that does work. Uh, but what we, we were modeled after it or another farm who was doing similar work. And it encourages kind of a natural terracing that they're still able to use the land, um, but in a, a different way that may not produce as much money as a whole farm field of corn, but is more sustainable. Okay. And it's not like, well, you can do that cornfield for, you know, three or five years and then that land's not going to produce anything for you. It's mm -hmm. like the way we were teaching them to do it, they were able to um, continue to enrich their land and their land would get better mm -hmm. with use versus worse. Gotcha. So it didn't turn the same, you know, quantity of profit, but it was a longer term solution that still provided money and income and yeah. plain old food one little part that we did, we did stuff for in the city, not in the city, but in communities too, where you could even farm a, you know, a plot that was probably the size of two doors and, and be able to provide enough food to always have vegetables to put on the table for your kids. Because mm. a lot of them, rice is a staple there and sometimes that's all they have. And so if you can grow some vegetables and have something else to put on there, it, you're yeah. getting more vitamins and nutrients into your sure. kids. So we, we do the big, big scale you know, big farm option, you know, showing how you can use goats, you can use fruit trees, you can use mm -hmm. vegetable gardening, all sorts of things. Um, but some of it's, you know, hey, you could do this in your backyard back in the city too. So. I, so did you know a lot of the, about this stuff before you actually took on this part of the project? Did you know this stuff pretty well or did you learn it as you go? For the most part, I didn't know it. I uh -huh. had a little bit of, I, my, I've grown up, uh, not having horses. My family had horses, not uh, at our house, but have been familiar with them. So I know a little bit about animals sure. um, from that. But beyond that, and they didn't really have horses there. They had goats. So that was a whole other thing. <laughs> but <laughs> Slightly different animal. Slightly different animal, but still an animal that right. you got to feed it so, and water it and, and has four, trim its toes. Four and hooves. It has and, four hooves. Yeah. Some ears. Yep. Yeah. Um, Can't ride it, but yeah. No, or not, not well. Uh, no, ours were not large enough to ride. Didn't think so. But give birth in a similar way. All those fun things. <laughs> right. So, so you do it. You've developed these skills as you went along. Yes, there. That's what it was. Yeah. When they said when they sent me up there to try it out, they're like, "Here are the manuals about what we're doing. Read them. Figure out what we're doing." I'm like, "Okay, great." So it was pretty much an adventure in self study that I quickly had to be able to teach other people. Interesting. <laughs> so that was. That sounds like a lot of pressure. Well, thankfully it wasn't too quickly, but okay. yeah, it was a little bit of a little bit of. Like, I'm supposed to be able to share this, and I'm yeah. just learning it myself. But yeah. with time, it got to, so I understood it better. Okay. And um, I did go up there, and there was a, a couple that I worked under that hosted me there for a while. And they helped teach me some of the basics of, you know, like, hey, they're all new tropical plants. What's a weed? What's a vegetable? What's a fruit? <laughs> is this supposed to be in the garden or not? Gotcha. So, and the tools that use and things like that. So mm -hmm. it was a big learning curve. Um, but yeah. Did you do you feel time. like you had any education in that realm at all, or any knowledge already, or was it all like a little bit? A little bit. My biology degree, I had a botany class. I was going to say you had you, with the biology degree. Yeah, I feel like you had to have some kind of experience or understanding. Mm -hmm. of it. Yes, I was not a strongest biology major, okay. um, and so I didn't. I didn't have a ton, but between, you know, understandings of microbiology, genetics, um, 
and like I said, the botany and ecology classes, those gave me a basic understanding of okay. different plant structures, how they yeah. grow, some of the nutrients they need, yeah. um, you know, how some systems interrelate with other systems. So that still gave me some basic So you still part. used your education I did, overseas. just in a different <laughs> way than you might first think. Okay, fair enough. I want to actually have that question I was going to ask. I mean, this sounds like you you had an opportunity to be on your own a little bit more and yes. work on your own, but you had people that you were teaching and that you were like yes. educating in, in this in this uh, in this you know um, in this way of life. So yep. tell me about how that worked. Okay. Uh, sometimes we'd have tours come like from some of our other communities. We'd have people come up and want to see. They'd heard we'd had a farm. And they wanted to come up and see what it was like or or what we were doing or, or see an example of someone had explained this to them. They wanted to see what that looked like. Mm -hmm. So I was able to give kind of tours and share, you know, sometimes it was just a half an hour and other times it was a longer period of time we'd have people there. Mm -hmm. But they wanted to see what we were doing and sometimes learn how to do it. And uh, one particular group, we had some college students who needed to do um, – job training like that was part of their like internship and degree completion was they needed to spend so many hours and in were, their degree these were college students these, who were from southeast asia yes okay that were from a local university okay um and so that was a service that we had to offer for them was that they could come and fulfill that there huh? and that was both a high and a low for me it it worked out that <laughs> It worked out that the other couple had, had to leave before that, and um, another, the person who had stepped in for him was splitting his time. So a lot of the responsibility of teaching these college students, I was had eight of them, you. fell to me and the other workers on the farm. And some of them were not well educated, so they were pretty, the other people, mm -hmm. the, the students who were coming to learn from us were more educated than most of our workers. So uh, they were pretty intimidated to learn, you know, to teach them. Interesting. Because they were not nearly as well educated and that's kind of in terms of social status it'd be yeah. someone almost a lower social status yeah. even though they're older yeah. teaching some trying to teach someone who has more education than they do that's a strange balance yes it was a <laughs> rough dynamic. place to be so how'd you um, handle it oh my goodness i was extremely overwhelmed yeah. but that's where as i was looking into the jaws of oh my goodness these students are coming and i'm trying to learn this stuff yeah. i already knew it it had been there a year right. you know at the farm but <laughs> it was still things that i hadn't gotten to completely put into practice okay. and see know know them intricately and yeah. so yeah trying to be prepared to teach agriculture students who also had more education than i did in these kinds of things but they weren't on the agriculture and environment tracks so no they weren't <laughs> that i guess <laughs> somehow they'd be more qualified than me in some ways yeah. but it was a big stretch long story short but god encouraged me um just in that no maybe the circumstances weren't ideal at the time mm -hmm. but he could still use it and so yeah. it was an exercise of just doing it and praying and once again leaving the results to him i wanted to integrate stories and all sorts of stuff into you know God's stories into that mm -hmm. time. Did you have much opportunity? No, okay. I didn't have the time or the energy. I, did they know that you were Christian at least? They knew I was a follower of Jesus. Okay. So it was understood anyway. That's one reason yes. you were there. Yes. Gotcha. And um, two of the students who came were believers. Um, some of the others, we had a variety. I think there were eight students in about six different religions that okay. were you know, represented among them. Wow. So it was quite diverse. Yeah. 
Uh, For sure. But it was pretty amazing to watch. I at the you know I was just praying. I'm like God, this these students don't know English real well, mm. and so it was one of those. How am I gonna yeah. do this? Um, you know, and I want somehow I want th- to direct them to you in the middle of all this, and I can't. I just yeah. I'm at my wits end. Yeah. And so I just kind of left it in his hand and did my best to to point them in that direction. Well, it, it seems to me like you're at least trying to do the practical side of ministry. Yeah. In hopes that that spoke a little bit to the spiritual side of ministry as far as it yes. could anyway, and let God do the rest, like you're saying. Yes. So, was, I, I mean, was it you? Were, not only were you teaching them yeah. for as much as you could, but you were teaching them in your in their language. So that's what Try I gather it. anyway, right? Some of it, they they understood English. So okay. They kind of have to to go to college. I suppose, but it was not their preferred language. Right. Let's say. So, so was, everything else outside of that happened not in English. <laughs> but I I at the end of the time I learned that two of the, the two of the students, the guys, they were half and half. They were both two of the guys were the believers and they had actually been all the guys have been meeting to do a Bible study in the okay. morning okay. for the time that they were there. Okay. Unbeknownst to me completely. Hmm. But you know, God God worked in and through them in those ways, even though I wasn't at a point where I had the capacity to do that at that time. So to fast forward or to go move to move forward a little bit here. Yeah. And a good segue Fair in enough. a sense, because it's about not knowing how God's working. Yes. When you are for, worried that you don't you're not doing an effective job in that realm or whatever. I don't know. Oh yes. One question I have is how do you how did you see God working in the country mm-hmm. in ways that you think might surprise people? I'd say one thing that I found that kind of surprised me, or at least was different than a typical American experience, would be, we talked about it earlier, but this, the spiritual openness of people to God, to there being a spiritual world. I mean, they're, like once again, there's just no question that the spiritual world exists. But at the same time, that could bring a lot of darkness because that's open to a lot of spirits and they fear a lot of, harm from spirits and in fact have stories of like a teammate who was living in community and you know she heard you know woke up at night and someone was trying to get in the door and she peeked out the window and no one was there and it wasn't like someone was playing tricks like she looked out the window and it was still rattling and there was no one there and it wasn't from the inside and so there were weird dark things like that that things just happened there differently and so that's the dark side of it but at the same time, that does create openness to share who Jesus is and why we don't have to be afraid mm. of why we don't have to be afraid of spirits, evil spirits, because of him mm-hmm. and that he's more powerful than they are. And I I heard about um people having, you know, they're just there's a more openness to having like dreams and it's the dreams are more meaningful for people there. They aren't just a, you know, I ate yeah. bad pizza, but it's like, no, <laughs> I had this dream and there's a meaning in it. You know, I need to find it. And so mm. I've heard, heard stories about, about how, you know, that has worked in people's lives to really bring an awareness or more of a search or more of a hunger about, oh, Jesus may really be real. Mm. Or, you know, I heard these words, you know, where did they come from? Yeah. And here they're from the Bible. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, yeah. you know, you know, yeah. things like that, that there's just more of an openness there um, that 
that God uses in that way, that he just doesn't work here. Because I think we're not, that's not a language that we're tuned in to listen to, and they are. So to see, you know, hear stories like that where where people are, are seeing God work and deliver them from evil spirits and from things like that. And and also to bring healing um, where you're, I, I didn't see it personally, but I heard stories of people who had hands laid on on tumors or other things, and as they prayed, it, it disappeared. And so, you know, God, God proves himself real in different ways because that's a way that they're willing to hear it. And so it was kind of interesting to get to, to be a part of hearing and seeing him work in a whole different way than we see here. Sure. So I think I can, I kind of asked you this before a little bit, but feel Go free to be a, more, a little more general about it. All right. I think. <laughs> How are you able to use your skills, education, and passion to minister to people? Well, we touched on the biology and, mm-hmm. and some of the classes that that did for the farm. Mm-hmm. My the, the training that I did get as a certified nursing assistant um, ended up being really helpful to the medical work we did. We did medicals, um, offering free access to doctors and um, medicine as well as counseling and prayer uh, for kind of we would go to a certain community uh, for one day and we went we kind of did that for a week and uh, in in different four different locations um, and so what I learned there you know I helped do vital signs and things like that and that was stuff I learned and was comfortable with yeah. from being a nursing assistant right. and so you know there you always are able to do a little bit more than you should because you're you're good at things <laughs> I mean you yeah. know you have some training so they let you do more or the doctors teach you on the spot so I I got to run nebulizers that help people breathe better and things like that and I was really amazed that this may not help for our goers, but <laughs> trusting God because he prepares you in amazing ways um, and gives you some of that training that you may not get in the class uh, for other things like the horse experience I had helped out with delivering baby goats <laughs> in the middle of the farm. I feel like there's somebody <laughs> out there who's delivered baby goats that will hear this podcast and be like, dude, you, you can to do deliver this. baby goats. I'm I've done field. that. I want to use that to share Jesus with people. There's a like need that. for that because totally. we didn't have any vet anywhere nearby. So it was like, here's the book on how it should work. Go for it. There you go. So listener, consider that. Yes. So God provided in that way. And even simple things like I me I got certified to or got my motorcycle certificate. Is that right? Motorcycle endorsement. There okay. we go. Um my brother wanted to ride motorcycles and I'm like, hey, I'll do it with him. So he took the safety class. I got the endorsement long before yeah. I knew I was going overseas. Right. It ended up that when I was there, ended up needing transportation of my own and motorcycles are much cheaper than cars. Mm-hmm. Um and it's pretty the most common form of transportation other than their feet, right? Yes, pretty much. Yeah. And uh, that was worked out that I was able to go in because I had a Minnesota driver's license. I already had the motorcycle endorsement on it. Just had to pay my money. They flopped it all over. I had, poof, a local driver's license with motorcycle. Motorcyclists. And the skills to go with it. That hear, hear this out. You, you might you have opportunity to... Uh, you're needed overseas with your motorcycle skills. As well as if you can drive a stick shift. Whoa, stick shifts. I don't even know how to drive a stick shift. Well, so. then you'd better learn. Oh. 
trust me, I, I definitely need to learn. But it'll never happen because I don't care. But anyway, yes. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I've tried. I tried, last time I tried to use a stick shift, uh, I think I killed it three times coming out of a driveway. That was enough for me. So. That, I did that too. Yeah, I mean, event, I, uh, perseverance, perseverance. I just. It's all the motivation. So, that, but all that said, you have skills you don't realize you have. There you go. Because. That can be used that to be, was so, huge. for purposes of overseas ministry, that yep. whatever. I taught Americans yeah. and others, but mostly Americans, how to drive stick shift over <laughs> there. <laughs> That's awesome. So, That's and even computer bit. skills that you take for granted. Another fairly general question. Go for it. Share some highlights of your service overseas. What were the highs and lows, and what did you learn from them? Hmm. We already hit some of them. Some of them, sure. Um, even though I had struggles with my team, they're actually one of my highlights. Mm -hmm. uh, the relationships and the connections I built with my team were treasures that I will carry in my heart and take with me the rest of my life. Believe it or not, dengue was both a highlight and a low light. Mm -hmm. Low light, obviously, anytime you're not sure you're going to wake up the next morning, usually a low light. But Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> how God used it. Um, I had always been afraid of dying and what would happen to me. That's what first brought me to, to Jesus. And while I knew that he always said he had me, you know, I kind of always wondered if I believed it. And that time when I, that night when I realized, you know, I'm not in a good spot and if things go really wrong, I might not see the sunrise yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. That was really heavy and really hard. Yeah. And really sad. But at the mm -hmm. same time, he gave me his peace in the middle of that. That if I didn't wake up, the mosquito got the best of me, having not even been there a freaking month. <laughs> exactly. Even if I hadn't yeah. woken up the next morning, he just gave me a peace that I would gonna I would be with him. Sure. And it was just a gift and it ended up being a turning point for my walk with him. Um, which is an excellent segue into the next it. question, which is, how did you see God work in your life? Oh, well, serving? there you go. I sh can we that add was, that one for that question? That, that, that was almost <laughs> too perfect segue. So, yeah, there I mean, you, you understood your mortality better? Is that what you're getting at? Or no, what, I always knew that I had the mortality piece. Okay. My concern was, did I, did I really trust God at his word? Okay. That... He said he had me and he was going to take care of me. And to not, to be away from the body is to be with the Lord. And um, he just brought that home to me in a whole different way. And somehow in the midst of all of that taught me that even though I didn't understand and I was scared and it didn't make a lot of sense that I could, I could trust him in it and he had a plan. And no matter how much unfun it was at the moment, mm -hmm. he was going to bring good out of it and take care of me. Is it easy to say that in hindsight? Or was it easy to say that in the moment? That second part was definitely all hindsight. Mm -hmm. I, But the peace, I, I do remember that very night going, I'm really sad to think about not seeing my family mm -hmm. and you know i thought i was here for two years and i was going home right and i might not be going home yeah um 
but in the midst of that, in that realization, that peace. Yeah. That I was being held by hands mm. that were in control and in a bigger picture and had me for, had a, had a hold of me. So how does that, um, I mean, you've been back home now for a year, right? Yep, a little more. So how does how do, how that, uh, you know. Not, translate to here? Yeah, translate sounds like a good word. I was thinking of something else, but that'll work. How does that translate <laughs> to now? How, how has that continued up until? Up until now? Now or whatever, yeah. This time of your life. Um, like a year later. It's a different confidence in him, in my relationship with him. And just that was a huge, huge, that was a turning point in, in trusting him and confidence in him. And I would just say that that's continued to help. We've built on that foundation of confidence and trust. Okay. That I'm not going to say it's perfect because I'm not and it's not. Right. But um, well, he it's, is. It's, but it's improved. It's, it's, uh, it's improved. It's been, it's been pruned. Yeah. So that it can grow. Yeah. I, I would, yeah. The confidence in him. Okay. I know I kind of covered this a little bit before, but I kind of want to go back to it. In, yeah. re in relation to, well, I'm not even going to try to relate it. I'm just going to go for go it. Go for it. You talked about the receptivity of the gospel mm -hmm. uh, there, how they're receptive to spiritual stuff. Or like, yeah. Talk a little bit more about the receptivity of, of people to the gospel there. Like, uh, you say they're receptive to it, but like, is it like, let's talk and talk and talk until we know everything you know? Or is it like, how does the spirit work in this? Or like, what's... What does receptivity look like hmm. uh, when it comes to the gospel there? I would say in, as, an, as a whole, people just going along in their normal life, mm -hmm. especially there's a variety of people there. We were trying to reach out to a particular tribe, mm -hmm. um, and that particular tribe is pretty closed. Uh, in general, if they were to come out and say, hey, I'm a Christian, um, that at least get them kicked out of their community at, okay. at, at best. Mm -hmm. um, they easily could have somebody trying to kill them or um, just be completely excommunicated from their whole social structure. Does that mean they knew what Christianity was and they just wanted nothing to do with it? Or was it they didn't know what it was and they wanted nothing to do with it? <laughs> um, they, they do know pretty much. They have an idea of sure. what it is. I'm not going to say it's an accurate. That particular term is not necessarily accurate. Mm -hmm. But... It has a lot of connotations, as well as some of the people we were trying to reach just to convert to anything else is not acceptable. Gotcha. So you have that initial barrier that's pretty mm -hmm. big. You yeah. Know, it, it, it takes some significant consideration and time and, and, prayer. and mm -hmm. lots of prayer. And it's something that, you know, it takes God working miracles to make it happen. And so... There's there's that initial part, and and so that's a lot of what we do sometimes is prayer and fasting and and asking for opportunities and asking God to work. And some of the ways that He's done that has been through um, certain crucial points like accidents, like health crises, mm -hmm. like um, deaths, and various things like that where there's a huge need, and we're able to. So and then that happens here too, where. We're able to kind of walk alongside them in that, and and it kind of wakes them up to questions, or you know, it just yeah. it just brings people to start questioning things instead of going through the norm. Um, so that's not necessarily a new thing, but that's mm -hmm. where we found that sometimes 
it's those stressful points or those trigger points in life that really help someone ask those questions that helps them want to begin a discussion that's a little more um, oriented toward, okay, who is this Jesus? Right. Or a lot, I mean, we, people are very receptive to prayer as well. And so we pray for them in the name of Jesus and pray for healing, pray for lots of things. And they see, they see changes and they go, okay, what's, what's that about? Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes you get, huh. And other times you get, oh, thanks. And, you know, and other times you get people who, for some reason, God's working in their hearts. Mm -hmm. And that tends to, to show up in an interest in, in hearing more about Jesus, learning who he is, learning what the Bible says about him, you know, um, what are his stories and who was he really? That a lot of times is an interest in Jesus is usually where that receptivity comes from. Gotcha. Did you ever feel in danger in any hostile areas? Yes and no. Not necessarily in um, the sense like, hey, I'm afraid I'm going to be kidnapped and, you know, held hostage and whatever. Mm -hmm. I not, I, I didn't, our team, there were areas that could have been like that, but our team leader was really careful to not get us in situations that would be like that. Okay. Um, there were times and places where it's like, it's dark, it's late, you shouldn't mm. be out. Um, or, you know, you're out with a group, but you're still like, this isn't the best place to be right now. You know, Lord, get me home safe. <laughs> yeah. But I don't, yeah, I don't have crazy stories about that's fine. Ab- about, you know, being held hostage at gunpoint. I would hope not. I wouldn't, so, I would be there were, concerned about that. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. There were, there was the bus line that I used to ride before I got the motorcycle to go to the farm. Um, did have a bus or did have a, a small improvised bomb go off in one of their buses on the route that I used to take. Okay. Um, but I, you know, I was kind of like, whoa, that's not good. But that, at the same time, it's not like I was on it, not like my teammates were on it. Right. But it's just kind of that awareness of, right. thank you, Lord, for your protection. That could have been me. Right. Okay, I, I kind of asked this before, but again. Yeah, you might get a different answer. I Go for might. It. So what sort of, pr- of approaches did you and your team pursue to share the gospel in a way that the culture would understand it? So essentially the question is, Jesus is probably... I don't know how he's looked or perceived necessarily, so I'd like to know a little, about, a little bit more about that. But okay. in the midst of their perception of, of Jesus and, and, and the gospel and stuff, what did you and your team do to help them understand it? Mm-hmm. It really depends who you talk to because the city where we were at was quite a, let's say, a melting pot. Mm. So you could find a variety there. Gotcha. The people in the tribe that we were particularly trying to reach knew Jesus as a prophet, knew Jesus as a good man, um, sometimes knew Jesus as a healer, uh, but also other things that the Bible teaches didn't believe were true. Um, and so, you know, as a, as a basic foundation, like, Jesus, he's a good guy, was kind of the... And he is. And he, and he is. There's, there's a little more to it. Right. But yeah, I mean, he is. But, you know, yeah. it kind of ended there. Yeah. And a lot of times 
it depended who you were talking with and, and their, where they were coming from. Like always, you have to kind of adjust to fit the situation and the people. Um, but a lot of times, the, the culture we were in um, enjoyed stories. And so a lot of times we turn to God's story and the opportunity to just, you know, they share a story, you share a story. Yours happens to be about creation or, you know, it can apply to life, you know, lives like somebody lied to you and you can tell a story about, you know, when Jacob mm-hmm. lied to his brothers or, you know, yeah. cheated Esau out of his birthright. Yeah. We found that, well, we found, we've been working towards, um, really sharing stories because mm. a you're not telling someone what they should believe but you're presenting God's truth and letting it speak mm-hmm. um and asking them to engage with what God's word says mm-hmm. and especially the old testament and usually the gospels tends to um be a respected book for them and so a lot of times they have the opportunity to 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 share stories from um especially the books of Moses are books that they respect and it helps lay a foundation that of understanding for God's creation and his love and his plan for redemption and sin and how that got here mm-hmm. it lays a little different framework that then sets up why we need Jesus in the first place okay um and then telling stories about Jesus and who he is, it opens up their, you know, and what he did opens up some eyes and some minds to go, oh, he wasn't just a healer. Mm-hmm. He did other things. Yeah. Or he worked in this way or he worked in that way. And and sometimes you have the opportunity to say, you know, and, and he's done this in my life as well. Yeah. You know. Witness. Pers- yeah. Can I get a witness? There you go. Kind of thing. Yeah. But there's times where it works out where you go, you know. Because sometimes girls are had a sleepover and they think they see a ghost and or they did, you know, mm-hmm. see something somewhere. Yeah. They're talking about ones that they did see and and you're not afraid and they kind of go, well, why? Mm. And it gives you a chance to kind of talk about that. But So hmm. a lot of it, personal witness and God's stories and mm. letting, trying to get his truth in front of them and letting his truth and his spirit do his work. Amen, sister. Praise the Lord. <laughs> totes. Did I just bring totes into this conversation? You did, apparently. Where'd that come from? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. YOLO. Just kidding. All right. So, anyway. YOLO. Yeah. Learned All right. that over there. <laughs> so, this is, a little, this is not a question we've covered yet. Ooh. And this is a really big question. Okay. That kind of segues into our end, end, of, our, end of our discussion here. Fair. Why do you think it's important that our generation of believers in Christ goes overseas? Now, I'm going to pr- I'm going to preface that question with obviously you're a little bit older than uh, than the generation that's coming <coughs> out of the, college right well, now. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you're you went at a at a time that isn't typically ideal for what we are, as GoCorp perceives as right. a demographic of people. Yep, <coughs> which is not bad. I guess when I say generation of believers, I just say. You know, before 40. <laughs> I guess. Thankfully, I still fit under that Right, category. exactly. Same. Um, yeah, what would you tell... Why do you think it's important that our generation of, of you know, 
not millennials, but Gen mm -hmm. Y, I think is what we are. I have no idea, but I don't something think we're in Gen there. Gen X anymore, but we're, I don't know. I can't, I, I don't know what generation is which, but. Post college and before others. Yeah, something like that. 20 somethings now. Yes. Why do you think it's important that that generation of believers goes overseas? What, what first comes to mind is what's true for 20 somethings and is true for everybody. That Jesus said that we are to be his witnesses in Judea in Samaria, in Jerusalem, and to the ends of the earth. Granted, not everybody is going to go overseas, and that's okay. God doesn't call for everyone to go to the overseas, but they, we are called to be obedient to where he does call us to go, whether it's our neighbor, whether it's, you know, across state lines or across country lines or to the ends of the earth. And if that's where God's put on your heart to go there, then you need to go there. And if not, that's okay too. No shame in that if that's not what his call is for you. But the harvest fields are ripe. God needs more workers in his harvest fields. So if he's calling on, on them to go, then they need to go. So now that you've planted in the listener's brain that they should, that they should consider Going overseas. Yep. And they are considering overseas suddenly. Hence, they're listening to this. Yes, more <laughs> or less. Or like somebody said they should listen to this and they never really thought about it till this point. I don't know. It varies. Okay. It might. It depends. I don't okay. know what you're going through, listener. I have no idea. But. Fair. They're now considering it. The All listener's right. now considering it. What would you tell that person who's, who's listening to this and considering and going, going why? Overseas? Yeah. Considering why how how they fit into it or whatever like why am i going to uproot my whole life friends and social structure and move halfway across the world exactly because somebody said hey go do this what whether whether you're a college go, graduate a yeah whether you're a graduate or you're you're you know in your or you're 29 years old like what would you tell them right now mm. after them considering it based on your words goodness there's a lot of reasons. Uh, I guess to say, I know one of the things that has drawn me to the mission field has been that I see God work and he works in me in ways that does not happen here. And America, that is. It does not happen Good in America. America. Yes. And, and not that it, it does happen in America, but for some reason it doesn't happen as often in me. I think being pushed outside of my comfort zone, outside mm. of my boundary, outside of my social norms totally. just takes me to another place of reliance on him and, and the growth personally, in a selfish way, my growth with him, it's not just like straight up because there's bumps in it no matter mm -hmm. where I go, but I see him work in different ways when I'm way outside my comfort zone like that. Mm -hmm. And just like what I first learned when I went overseas in high school, to meet people from other places who think differently than we do, have normals, norms that are very different from us, and to realize that, that our normal is weird to them and their normal is weird to us. Mm -hmm. it, it does something to open your heart and open your mind to see things differently and to see how complex and unique and beautiful and wonderful God made people in this world. Yeah. Goodness, I could go on and on <laughs> and on. <laughs> so to try to, to put it into 
just one answer is really difficult. But there's something to be said about coming together, especially like on a team like I did with culturally very different believers, but they are your brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. And serving together because you love Jesus and you want other people to love him too. Totes. There I go again. Oh, there you gosh. go again. Yeah. There's, there's just something to that. Absolutely. That, Amen. That he works in amazing ways, and it's a privilege and an honor to be a part of it. There you go, young people, 29-year-olds, whatever, 20-somethings. There you go, young, young people. people. Why you should consider going overseas. So, Nora. Yes. What are you doing now? <laughs> and how can we pray for you? Um, currently working, doing home health care with mostly seniors. And that's kind of have, has been my for now job while I've been figuring figuring out what is next after coming back. And um, for a year now, you've been right? again. Yes, okay. I kind of do that thing. I get a little stuck. Gotcha. I've been a little stuck, but okay. God's giving me a holy kick in the pants. And um, dude, I'm, I'm curious what that looks like. <laughs> I mean, I think I've been there, but still. <laughs> anyway. Um. And so I'm I'm trying to move forward and figure out really what, once again I'm on the journey of similar to what I did back when I mm-hmm. first joined Gokar of mm-hmm. okay God I need to start moving forward and see what doors you open and what doors you close. So sure. in the midst of that journey uh, looking at maybe going back overseas maybe not finding something permanent here I'm not sure but I guess wisdom and guidance for that journey and that I would be obedient that's not what I've done this last year. I will admit that wherever okay. God leads, I'll follow. Anything else I'll pray for? How about your team over there? Anything overseas? Mm-hmm. Anything going on in, the, in Southeast Asia that you have kept up with or whatever uh, that you want to pray about or have people pray for? Lots of things I've kept up with. See if I can keep it general enough. Um, <laughs> sure. I know that we have some new believers that have actually come to believe since I've been there. Okay. Uh, from some of the tribe, the tribe that we've been Fantastic. working with in some of the countries. So yeah, or in some of the communities. So that's really exciting. Yeah. At the same time, they um, can face a lot of pressure and just pray for faithfulness and that they would grow in their faith and and grow to know and love Jesus more. Mm-hmm. Um, that He would help them stay faithful and and also to to be an example and a witness to their own people and have a heart for them because some. Some of the same tribe that come out of there, you know, that that come to know Jesus out of that tribe, mm-hmm. sometimes they struggle to know how to go back to their own people mm. and share. And so, that's a big deal. Yeah, being able to to have a heart for that and and for God to show them how would be really good. Well, great. Thank you for your time, Nora. Thank you that uh, welcome, Mr. Dan. we could sit and talk and catch up a little bit and hear your experience of being in Southeast Asia. How do you say goodbye in Southeast Asia or wherever you were from or wherever you were serving, I should say? Bye-bye? No. Um, (laughs) That was one of the ways. That that, that can't be the answer that I'm looking for. No. Um, Pa'alam. Was it again? Pa'alam. Thanks for listening to A New Kind of Goer. I hope Nora's story encourages you to think about serving overseas after college or to recommend a college junior or senior or 20-something in your life. 
For more info about placements needing marketplace skills among the least reached, go to gocore.org. That's G-O-C-O-R-P-S.org.